It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, May 7th, after a uh, another 3-2 loss by the LA Galaxy to the Houston Dynamo. That will be the focus of our show tonight. It'll re- revolve around a whole bunch of different topics associated with that game. So uh, we're going to do a-, a lot of stuff. We have some phone calls from you. We have some emails. And so... I think that'll take us through most of our time together, but uh, before we get too far away from everything, let's check in with uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter, who's been having a little bit of a day with technology today, so he joins us by the phone there. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Well, I'm out here, as you know, in the beautiful corner of the galaxy annex in the middle of the Santa Clarita Metroplex. This is the corner of the galaxy listening post uh, for Northern and Central California. Um, However, you're right, um, I can't get on Skype. And so, uh, and there's no cell phone towers with AT&T cell phone towers within 20 miles of my home. So my cell phone doesn't work. So we're using a very uh, primitive technology called a landline. I think I'm the only one in my neighborhood that has one, but good for the corner of the galaxy that I do have one um, because I'm now talking to you on landline. Uh, The good thing is um, the sound, well, the bad thing is the sound's not as good, but the good thing is is you're not going to hear my squeaky chair and I will be rocking throughout the podcast there you go back and forth back and forth that sounds good yeah um just just so everybody knows i did have the recorder on earlier when kevin was swearing at technology um and for the right price i could possibly release that so just let me know uh when that comes out but we want to talk about the la galaxy and the game and in order to do that we have to turn over to your favorite morning show and it's that time Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And Panda. Panda. In the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. Oh, God, Kevin. I don't know if we could have made that more annoying. I think that was pretty much a peak annoyingness right there for us, taking this joke now way too far. Well, some people listen in the morning and the evening, but whatever, it's pandemonium here on the Corner of the Galaxy Oh, no. Pandemonium. Oh, no. I can't believe. Pandemonium. I don't. Pandemonium. I don't okay. Well, I mean, if we're, we've already started down this path, we're just going to finish it out for the rest of the show. So let's go for it. LA Galaxy lose 3-2 to two to the Houston Dynamo. If you uh, went into a coma before they lost to the New York Red Bulls 3-2 to two, and you popped open right after this Houston game, I can tell you that they're very similar games in terms of how they were played, both having goals scored by Giovanni Dos Santos and Ola Kamara, and both ending up in the LA Galaxy, losing late in the game, 3-2. to two. And against Houston, you can't blame a bad referee call, and I know a bunch of you want to on the first goal that was scored in the second minute. And what did, Kevin, what was the one thing the Galaxy players were all saying that they couldn't do in this game if they were going to be successful? Can't give up early goals. Oh, so just, is, would the second minute be considered an early goal, Kevin Baxter? Um, one, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, it would be because there's, there's in the second minute, there's still 88 minutes left. So it would be early. However, comma, um, I need to say that, um, of the last six goals that the galaxy have given up, four of them have come in the opening seven minutes of the game or of the second half. So for the last six goals, opening seven minutes of either the game or the half And this, in this case, and I think in the New York Red Bulls game too, uh, they did both. They yes. gave up a goal in the first seven minutes of the game and in the opening seven minutes of the second half. Yeah, the Galaxy have now allowed seven goals combined in either the first minute 
or the first 15 minutes of each half, basically. So the first 15 minutes of the first half, first 15 minutes of the second half, you combine those, and it's seven goals, the Galaxy. And Kevin, your yours, uh, your stat is good as well there with the four goals coming. Um, yeah, it's uh, and and by the way, they're also giving up goals at the end of games too, as you've seen against New York Red Bulls, and of course here in uh, in this game as well with the LA Galaxy just not able to really... Let, let's put it this way, Kevin. In this game against Houston, and I've been one of these people who said, hey, the Galaxy are looking better. They're looking better. Things are happening. You know, even the New York Red Bulls game, hey, they put four balls in the back of the net. Everything seems to at least be taking baby steps forward. I'll tell you, this loss to Houston was a total and complete step backwards, and there's no way of saying that it was anything but a step backwards. Uh, the Galaxy looked at large uh, portions of this game, Kevin, to me, to look be listless uh, without a a plan whatsoever. And it was uh, it was a horrible game to watch. Uh, I personally thought it was more of a chore than anything else. Well, go ahead and 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 you can leave your your uh, your post there and go get yourself an adult beverage because you know I love stats, and so I'm going to run through. Uh, some numbers here that um, are, I don't know if they're interesting, staggering, depressing, sad. Galaxy have lost three straight at home. Uh, we know that we knew that before they went out. Um, but they they have also lost four of their last five games overall. Um, they did that under Bruce Arena one time in eight and a half seasons. They did that in 2002, and they won the MLS Cup that uh, this year. They played 23 games under Ziggy, and they've already had two stretches where they lost four out of five games. Again. Did it once under Bruce Arena and won the MLS Cup the same season. They've done it two times in in 23 games uh, under Ziggy Schmidt. They are now on pace to give up 71 goals for the season. That would be worse than last year. Last year was the worst ever uh, in franchise history. They're on pace to, to beat that by quite a bit, in fact. Um, they're also on pace to score 47 goals for the season. Um, I believe they'd wind up with 37 points. Um, that may be wrong, but uh, they're on pace to actually finish with a slightly better record. Um, only two teams in the Western Conference, Vancouver and RSL, have allowed more goals uh, than the Galaxy have given up this season. Um, and they've given up eight goals in the last three games. Um, so, you know, it, all the numbers are trending uh, trending the wrong way. They've given up, in the last three games, they've given up more goals than Dallas, who they play this weekend, than Dallas has given up all season. So, again, it's hard to find any good numbers in any of that. Yeah, there's no good numbers, and uh, I think it was stated pretty clearly on the, my Thursday night podcast, although I was choking and coughing the whole time, um, that the most important game of this road trip was this Houston game because it was the most winnable game. And you saw that in this, that even though the Galaxy played absolutely horrible, Kevin, they were within striking distance of this game. You know, they probably should have walked away with a draw, and I'll be honest, I think the rage stays with fans and with anybody who watched the game, even if they do come up with a draw. I mean, this is the first game. We've been talking about the fact that the Galaxy haven't had repeat starting lineups, and this is the first game that they got a repeat starting lineup that they're able to put the same 11 players on the field that they did the previous week, uh, and that is even with Jonathan Dos Santos uh, coming off the bench in this game after uh, coming back from that calf injury he picked up just before the Atlanta game. So... You look at all this and you say, okay, this is where you're going to start to see the Galaxy playing better. And I don't know what... It takes me a while to figure out what I saw, but what I saw was an LA Galaxy team that doesn't have a midfield. um, That has, you know, Sebastian Legette and Perry Kitchen being sort of defensive-minded players, 
back behind a whole bunch of offensive-minded players, and there's no connection between those guys. Uh, and there were, in large portions of this game, there was nobody in the center of the field for the Galaxy, and they don't have a player, and we've been talking about this forever, but they don't have a number 10. They don't have a playmaker who's able to pick up the ball in the midfield and turn vertically with it and run at people in order to create space. And what you're seeing is a totally predictable LA Galaxy team that plays up the wings where they don't necessarily have a ton of speed. They're not getting 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 players in behind the defense with, with Ola Kamara, Roman Alessandrini. That's not happening. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic is having to drop way deep into midfield even to even get the ball. So, I mean, you saw two goals from the Galaxy on the night, which is great. But when you look at how both of those were scored, both on the break, both on quick sort of athletic moves that were able to exploit a poor Houston defense, that, that's all you're seeing. There's no creativity really from the run of play or being able to build up that play. And so you got what you got, which was a, a really boring, slow, monotonous game where the Galaxy passed the ball horizontally and backwards way more. The Galaxy, Kevin, ended up having more possession in this game simply because they had no game plan going forward. Well, and when you see that, that, that passing that's not forward, when it's either back or, or, or lateral, that to me is a clear indication that there's indecision, that there's no uh, plan of attack. Sometimes you'll see it with uh, the Argentine team, and even Barcelona does it, where the, the, the goalkeeper gets involved quite a bit because they'll just pass the ball back and then reset their attack. When that happens, it's, it's a team, look, they know what they want to do. The, the defense is not giving it to them, so they pass back to the goalkeeper, reset, and, and come up again. That's different from what the Galaxy are doing. The Galaxy are, are sort of just passing the ball back and forth among themselves because there's indecision. They're not, it's not that they don't, get, they don't see a defense they can exploit. They have no idea what they're doing. It's, that's how it seems to me. As far as the, the, the playmaker, my understanding was that was – supposed to be the job of the Dos Santos family, whoever, which one you want to, to, to suggest should be in charge of that. Um, probably Gio, but Jonathan was also supposed to be a little, play that role a little bit. Um, and Gio has done it in fits and starts, I think, has tried to do it, but doesn't seem to be comfortable with it, doesn't stick with that job for very long. And that's when the, everything seems to fall apart. Ziggy talked about, you, you mentioned this was the most winnable game, not even winnable, to get a point. And he, he was really depressed after the game, and he said we needed to get a point, and it's on us that we didn't get a point. This was the game, as you said, look at the schedule. This is the one where they needed that point. Um, and the way they didn't get that point, they, they, they fought back from deficits twice, as we mentioned, goals early in the, in the game, early in the second half. They fought back from both those. I thought the Camaro goal was a pretty good goal. Um, that looked like it had gotten them a point, um, and I think if they had stolen a point with that Kamara goal and fought back and got that uh, hard-earned point, you know, they could have get they, they could have quit uh, late in the second half. They didn't. They came back. They got that goal. Good pass from Zlatan. Gio got involved again. They get that goal. Um, I think if they had come home, they, it, it would have been a draw, but I think they would have been pretty happy with that. And then to give up the goal in, in the 90th minute uh, and lose the game uh, – you know, every with every loss, you lose three points, clearly. Every loss in that sense is equal, but some losses are more equal than others. And I think when you lose a game like this, it's devastating because you'd work. it's a road game. You'd work so hard to come back. It looked like you were going to get a point. Um, your team is struggling. They need a spark, and it's taken from them, you know, right at the start of stoppage time. You mentioned, too, the two lineups. I mean, last year we had a situation where 
everybody, you know, there was injuries, had to play a lot of young players, started the season with a midfielder playing at right back, and that situation never really resolved itself. Um, there were ton, tons of excuses, or, or, and if you don't want to call them excuses, tons of reasons why the Galaxy struggled. You could point to and say, well, you know, it again, inexperience, injuries, whatever. Um, Ziggy played the same lineup that he wanted twice uh, in consecutive games. It's the uh, second time he's done that. He did the last two games last year when Jassy's artist was a was an outside back. Um, he wanted um, this is the team that Ziggy built. He wanted a scorer. He got rid of Jassy. Got Ola Kamara. That's the guy he wanted. It wasn't like he settled for second best. That's the guy he wanted. He brought in Zalatan, one of the three best players of his generation. Um, he wanted to beef up the midfield. He did that. He got Pontius up for the bench. He got uh, Perry Kitchen in there. Um, he's got both the Santos brothers back now. Um, this is the team that pretty much, you know, with, with the exception of, of Felcher, who's now out injured, this is pretty much the team that Ziggy wanted. Um, and there's experience coming off the bench, guys like Carrasco and, and Baggio, and now you have Steris on the bench. Um, it, call them reasons or excuses, either one. Neither one exists anymore. Uh, this is the team that, that Ziggy wanted. This is uh, they are healthy now for the first time this year, and they still can't get a point on the road in Houston. Yeah, and it's it's so both of the goals, and here's sort of a thing that that I think is a theme that people are looking at. And if you remember, uh, just give you the lineup again, just in case you're you're forgetting where everybody was. But uh, David Bingham uh, in goal, Ashley Cole on the left uh, at defense. You had Shelvick, Siani, and Romney. Then you had Leggett and Kitchen in the midfield underneath uh, Kamara, Giovanni Dos Santos, and Roman Alessandrini and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And whether or not you want to say it's a four-three-three or a 4-2-3-1, or however you want to call it. That's sort of how they lined up there. Here's the thing on both goals, Kevin. Who was the guy who was really playing in the position he was supposed to be playing, which I'm leading towards Ola Kamara. Ola Kamara is a number nine striker type of guy. He likes to be up top by himself, and he likes to run downhill and run straight ahead and create speed and do that stuff. So you look at the first goal, and he comes in from the midfield on the left-hand side into the center to steal the ball. He then is able to lead the break from the center, which is important. From the center, he picks out Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the left-hand side. Zlatan's first-time shot is perfect, exactly what you wanted. Uh, caught a goalkeeper Joe Willis off, off guard a little bit. Uh, Willis goes to poke the ball wide and can't poke it wide enough. And Giovanni Dos Santos, who's following the play on the right-hand side, uh, knocks it in the back of that. Great. Look at the second goal. Where is Ola Kamara playing whenever he scores the goal? Is in the center. And so we keep having this issue that Ola has now scored two goals in two games, same as Giovanni Dos Santos. Um, you look at where Ola, Ola is scoring his goals from and how he's doing these things. And it is because when he's scoring, it seems almost like he's coming from the position that he's meant to play, which is from the center and the position by which, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has has dethroned him at. And so you, it's it's difficult. I, I heard you, Kevin, you were right. Siggy Schmidt built this team the way he wanted in the offseason. Agree with you 100%. That's what happened. But I think that they couldn't plan for having Zlatan Ibrahimovic come in. And I think that now that he is here, that it has thrown a wrench into how they wanted to play this team because this team seems like it really wants to line up in a 4-2-3-1 with Ola Kamara being up top in the one and Zlatan Ibrahimovic not on this team. Now you can't say that the now you can't say that the Galaxy are a better team without Zlatan, Kevin. But is in my mind, he certainly is a cause for some of these issues we're seeing right now. Well, I think so, and, and players talked about it. They they did not play. They played. They played pretty much that four two three one in in the preseason. They worked on it in training. 
Ola Kamara was the, the target striker up front. Everyone seemed to be comfortable with it. Zlatan came in, and at first they tried going to a 4-4-2. And Ola Kamara and others said, look, you know, we didn't, we didn't practice this at all. They did say that, look, it's pretty much a default formation. Everyone's played it at one time or another in their career. Everybody knows how to play it. But a 4-4-2 does not fit the personnel the Galaxy has, um, and they hadn't practiced it. They hadn't, they hadn't played it together. So they tried that for a couple of weeks, really didn't work that well. They went back to the 4-2-3-1, uh, only they put Zlatan up front, uh, supposedly, and, and Kamara then was, was back you know, as one of the forwards. Um, and, and as you say, that, that, you, know, you see Zlatan dropping back quite a bit, so he's dropping in that forward role and Kamara's moving forward. Um, but the, the point is now people are playing out of position. Certainly Kamara's playing out of position. Uh, Alessandrini and Gio probably aren't used to having him there. Again, you're having to make a lot of uh, changes to get Zlatan comfortable, and and that's worked. I mean, as you mentioned, Zlatan, he I think he had two assists in the last home game. Um, he had what amounted to an assist, a two assist. You know, he put the, the the shot on goal that led to Gio's goal. Right. So he's been productive. One thing about G, uh, about Zlatan though is he's he, he's begin to realize that he's not in Kansas anymore right. or, or even in Manchester for that matter. And I think the weather should have tipped him off that he's not in Manchester, but he's been really frustrated lately. He said some things that, um, uh, that suggest that, uh, he didn't, I think he didn't expect this. I mean, I think when he came over, he knew intellectually that MLS was not going to be as good as the premier league and that it wasn't, you know, the, the level of play and the, and the things that players could do were not going to be the same. And again, I think he intellectually expected that, but I don't think he expected it to be quite the level uh, where it is. And, and he was asked last Thursday after training, he said, the pace is different from the premier league. The premier league is something special. The pace is different. The tactics are different. The risk you take are different. Obviously the quality here is different. He said, you just have to get used to it and try to make it better. And he's clearly, you know, struggling in that. And then after the game, uh, he did say, too, that he had, I think he was talking about home games at the time. He said he had never lost three games in a row. And, and I wasn't able to go back and check that, but that would be a phenomenal stat if that were true. He has won everywhere he's gone. He's not used to a team struggling. I, I bet you he's never lost four out of five games, um, you know, like this in this short a period. Right. I, I would bet that that's never happened in his career. But then after the game, in Dallas, he, uh, excuse me, in Houston, he said, talking about the loss, he said, um, after five minutes, we've already conceded the goal. And again, we're chasing goals, which is not normal. We cannot concede like that. He said, it's not good. We can either wake up or we can continue like this. But if we continue like this, that means we as a team do not want the same objectives. That means we don't want to win. He said, either I wake up and I take care of it or we all wake up. Um, I know Last week we had audio. If you want to read that again and, and try to imitate Zlatan, maybe we could pretend like we taped that interview. But that you can sense that frustration, and there's a couple things there. Um, uh, Zlatan clearly owns that locker room, and whichever way he goes, you know, players can sort of follow him. If he, if he begins to wallow, a little, I don't want to say uh, in, in pity, but maybe in a little bit of doubt and anger, he could take some players down with him. The other thing that struck me about this is – this is captain talk. This is what a captain says. A captain says, we need to wake up. We as a team need to play better. You know, we need to chase the same objective. That's what a captain says. This is Zlatan. He's been here a month. He's not the captain. Ashley Cole is the captain. And so to me, it raises some questions. Is he speaking out of turn? 
Is he usurping Ashley Cole's role? Is Ashley Cole okay with this? Because it, it paints Ashley in a position now. It paints him in a corner. Ashley Cole cannot come out and say, look, we're trying. We're really working hard. We're you know working hard in training. He can't say that. All Ashley can do is say, either it's a lot of times right or it's a lot of times wrong. And uh, if he says a lot of times wrong, he doesn't understand. Then he opens a, even a wider uh, gap in that dressing room. So it's a little bit of a difficult situation when, it, it, granted, Zlatan's the biggest star on the team. But, again, he's been here a little over a month, and now he's sort of saying the things that captain's supposed to come forward and say. Well, I mean, here's the, here's the other take, or at least my take on it, Kevin, too, is that I think people are making a little much about this, about Zlatan like coming. He's been basically as pointed as this in previous losses. Um, you know, this is the whole wake-up thing and, and how he says it. I, to me, he's trying to motivate again, and I'm fine with that because this is what he does. This is how he does it, is he's going to go out and he's going to say the things that need to be said. And he's right, by the way. The Galaxy do need to wake up. They need to try something. Um, there's players on this team that you expected to have real impacts on this team that have had zero impact on this team so far. And whether that's because of positioning and tactics or it's because you know they're not holding up their end of the bargain. I look at players like Roman Alessandrini, who has been, you know, who has almost disappeared and keeps getting pulled out of games. Um, granted, he's still coming back from injuries and, and, and all those things, but I mean, he's getting to the point where why is Roman Alessandrini not going 90 minutes for you um, out on the right-hand wing? And when he is, he doesn't seem to be, he doesn't have the same effect as he did last year. And he's playing in the same position. It's just some different people. So, I mean, how come the Galaxy can't get across? Granted, they're super predictable right now, which is play out to the wings and try to cross into the box, which is why, you know, Rolf Felcher used to be the creator in creator of most of the chances for the LA Galaxy. Um, and you're not going to get the same out of Dave Romney. He's just not as offensive as Rolf Felcher. But, but when you're looking at this LA Galaxy team, um, you know, the bottom line is that people need to wake up and figure this stuff out. And if it's not just strictly, and, and I'm not going to completely put this on Siggy Schmidt, I will question the tactics, I will question the game planning for sure, because there's a giant hole in midfield. And I'm pretty sure Siggy didn't say, you know, hey, there should be a giant hole in midfield, but how does he adjust that? Because you look at a guy like Giovanni Dos Santos, who should probably be sitting in that midfield right now, Kevin, being that creative guy, distributing out and finding places, and you find him more on the offensive line up top than you do in the center of midfield trying to dig out or play defense. And and let's be fair, Zlatan Ibrahimovic isn't going to play defense. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos is not going to play defense. He doesn't. Um, so you're left with the the defense being you know out having to guard outside the wings and letting teams, all the teams are attacking in the same exact area, which is right up the middle on the Galaxy, and then able to sort of distribute out from there and catch the Galaxy on quick counters whenever they're pressed up forward. So there's this giant gaping hole in the center of the Galaxy midfield, and if Siggy Schmidt doesn't figure out how to put somebody in there that is effective and a playmaker, then Zlatan's right. Everybody better wake up because any small mistake is magnified with this almost empty bucket right there in the center of the Galaxy midfield. And again, I question the tactics, and I also question just the comfort level that this Galaxy team has in any sort of formation that Siggy Schmidt's trying to put them in right now because it seems like they don't understand soccer basics. There's so much standing around. There's so much lack of anticipation, both offensively and defensively, and there's no there's no runs being made. There's no space being opened. So when you look at the Galaxy and what they're trying to do, if I'm Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I'm probably just fuming um, with players not understanding the basics of how to open space and make runs and to show for balls, because right now that's not happening. None of that is happening, and that's why you're getting just a, a boring, 
uh, plotting game that, that had no creativity in it outside of fast breaks. Well, again, the parallel passing and, and the lack of runs, you know, I think that comes down to sort of a lack of a game plan. The players aren't sure what they're supposed to be doing. Um, if there's a good game plan and there's a lot of video scouting, you'll see teams, they'll look ahead and they'll see, well, you know, when the right back moves to this side, I'm supposed to go here and they'll see the defense react. And then all of a sudden everyone's on the same page. And then you see those runs. Um, uh, you're just not seeing that with the galaxy right now. And there doesn't seem to be chemistry between players. There was a, I know we're not supposed to talk about the other team, but I'll just say that there was a goal scored in the LAFC game where afterwards the two players involved talked about, we practiced that in, in training, um, you know, we knew that this would be something that would open up. And when it did open up, I knew I was supposed to make the run and he knew he was supposed to pass it to me. Uh, and it worked perfectly. And I just, you just really don't see that on the galaxy. Both their goals basically scored on counterattacks, which is just, ba- you know, isn't a planned play. It's just everybody, you know, it's a fire drill. Everyone goes forward and that's, that's pretty basic. I mean, that's, that doesn't take a whole lot of game planning to understand how that works. Um, but when they are methodically bringing the ball, playing the ball out of the back, which is what they, uh, Ziggy said they wanted to do this year, he said they didn't do that last year, and he purposely put this back four together because he wanted guys that would play the ball out of the back. When they do play the ball out of the back, they get into the midfield or just over the, mid, the halfway line and, and, and stop and wait for something to happen. Yeah, it's going to be a real test now to see what the Galaxy do against Dallas. Um you have Jonathan Dos Santos, who should be healthy enough to start the next game, except you probably don't have a position for him, except that I would argue you do. Uh, some of my good players that I thought played very well in this game, uh, Ola Kamara, I thought, has been just... I said it on Twitter. Ola Kamara, the Gal- LA Galaxy don't deserve Ola Kamara right now. Um, the guy's given 110%, playing out of position, still scoring goals, uh, doing all the dirty work, playing some defense, doing all these things, and he's supposed to be a striker who they're playing reportedly close to a million dollars a year. Um, so you look at these things, and you're like, okay, so Ola Kamara was one of the good guys. I'm happy with him. I'm happy with the way it is. But you have to think that in his mind, Kevin, he's just extremely frustrated the fact that he was brought in to do a job, and now he's not playing in that position and not doing that job. So that's one thing. I think that um, I thought that Giovanni Dos Santos had a second fairly good game. Granted, he's not playing in the position Siggy Schmidt probably needs him to play in, but he's being productive and he's scoring goals. And from Giovanni Dos Santos and, and that production standpoint, I'm, I think anybody should be ecstatic that he scored two goals in two games and that the Galaxy have been part of these games. I think uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, again, with his assists and the way he's playing, he's not getting a ton of chances, Kevin, but he's creating off the chances he does. And the Galaxy need to figure out ways to get him the ball in more creative position-making than having him drop into the midfield and then, what, distribute out? It, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So no, he's he's dropping too far back, but but he he, I think he is doing a good job, and and everyone knows now um, that defenders are going to collapse on him, and he's going to draw defenders, and he's not going to have much space, and so what do you do in that kind of a situation? You do exactly what he's done. You distribute the ball, you pull those defenders, try to keep them there as long as possible, and then get the ball out. And I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Um, you're right about Gio. I've been really impressed. I thought Gio's played pretty well the last two games, but. You know, again, it, it, I hate to, to say the same thing over and over again, but it feels to me like a, a late run to impress uh, the Mexican national team. I mean, it feels like this is the, um, you know, this is the salary drive, uh, you know, for Geo. They're going to announce the teams that we're going to talk about. They're going to announce the provisional 35-man roster for all the World Cup teams, for the 32 World Cup teams, including Mexico. They're going to announce those the beginning of next week. 
35 players, uh, I, I got to believe that Gio and Jonathan's name are going to be in there. And, and they kind of have to be in there because it's insurance for your team. If someone gets hurt, um, that the provisional roster is what teams go back to um, to pull a substitute for an injured player. So if you don't have Gio and Jonathan on there um, uh, because whatever reason – and someone does get hurt, you can't go get them. So they will both be on the provisional roster, whether they're called up or called into camp. Don't know yet, but um, you'll see both their names come on there. And then I think Gio's going to look at that and say, "See, the last couple of games got me onto the Mexican national team." Yeah, I mean he could. And and again, it gets whittled down to the final twenty-three man roster by June fourth. But you're looking at limited time now with Jonathan Dos Santos and Gio Dos Santos before they take off. I think uh, Kevin, you were saying Mexico has a game towards the end of the month, right? Yeah, they have a game on the 28th here at, at the Rose Bowl. So they will go to uh, camp probably, I think, if both those Santos brothers are actually called into camp. Remember that not necessarily does those 35 people go to camp, although in this case I believe that they would. But in any case, the roster will be announced, I believe, the 14th, which is Monday. Uh, clearly, uh, the Santos brothers will play on the 12th. I don't think they'll play the, the game after that, which is uh, May 21st, which is a Monday in Montreal. I don't think they'll make that trip. Right. I think by that time they'd be in Mexico and in, in camp with the Mexican national team. Yeah, it seems like that. So limited time with uh, with with Jonah and uh, and Gio dos Santos. So you have those. Uh, my those so those were my good players. I had three of them. Uh, the bad players for me: uh, Perry Kitchen, uh, Roman Alessandrini, Jorgen Shelvik, uh, Siani, and Leggett. Those are my bad ones. That's a lot of bad players. It's well, I mean, it's uh, listen. If you if you want to make a mediocre list, everybody else is on it because there were very few good players or good performances. And here's my problem with Perry Kitchen, and here's why I think there's a real possibility going against Dallas that Perry Kitchen is on the bench. Um, I could see Jonathan Dos Santos going to play in Perry Kitchen's spot, and Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos figuring out how to take a, take care of the defensive responsibilities there. Because I think that the Galaxy need to get more offensive in how they think. Uh, I think they're too conservative in a lot of ways in, in trying to protect their bad defense, and I think instead they should be uh, more offensive to protect that bad defense. And I think Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette don't lose the ball very often. Um, but for me, for Legette, it's I want to see vertical runs from him. I need up and down the field and not sideways. Everything with the Galaxy was side to side. If you go back and look at the passing charts and how things broke down on this game, there's so many side to side passes back and forth. And Kevin, you already went over basically, you know, you think it's indecision. I think it's there's no place to go with the ball outside the wings. And then the ball gets played to the wings, and then there's no place for it to go from there. I mean, Roman Alessandrini is frustrated for a reason. Um, and I think that he, you know, you can add him being on the bad players list is that he's not handling that frustration very well. In fact, he should probably get a yellow card every time he gets a foul called on him because he's always yelling and screaming at the referee. So you're seeing these guys, but I mean, Shelvick and Siani can't handle the center of defense right now. And uh, you could probably even put bad players in terms of David Bingham, although Bingham, again, I think was forced to make five saves on the night. He was third in saves. And and the reason I point out that he was third in saves going into the Houston game um, is because I want to say not that he's been great, and that shows how great he's been. It's that the LA Galaxy are allowing so many shots that the guy is getting peppered on goal constantly. And so, listen, if you're a goalkeeper and you have to face shot after shot after shot, Kevin, eventually one of those is going to go in. And that's what's been happening with David Bingham. But the, go back to the last goal with Shelvick and Bingham. Bingham calls for the ball and Shelvick heads it. And the ball ends up getting deflected towards the back post, which ends up going off the crossbar and coming back out and get, eventually gets headed into the goal. That's a poor play. And you can blame David Bingham on it, sure. 
Uh, but, you know, whose fault is that really? I'll be honest. If I'm a center back in that position and my goalkeeper's calling it and I know it's late in the game, I'm heading the ball too. But I'm just not going to head it as poorly as Shelvick did. And he and Siani have been there, have been at fault for multiple goals here in the last couple of games. And the Galaxy defense that I said wasn't horrible, Kevin, is starting to prove me wrong that they are horrible. And it's really starting for me in the center of defense. And how they fix that, I don't know. But I would love to see them take a sh- take a shot at Jeff Cameron, who I'm sure they can't afford unless maybe they got rid of Siani. But they have that number one allocation spot. We know that Cameron got uh, Cameron's with uh, Stoke, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yes, Stoke City. Stoke City. So Stoke got relegated. Um, so we expect that Cameron could be coming to MLS, and the LA Galaxy, with that number one allocation spot, should be able to get him in terms of if they can afford him, they could land him. Now, whether or not that those are all a ton of maybes, but I need to see something from the center backs that I'm not seeing, and I don't know that it's Shelvick, and I don't know that it's Siani, and I don't know that it's Steres, and maybe it's Thomas uh, Tomas Hilliard Arce. But something has to happen in that center of defense. I'm less worried about the wings right now with Ashley Cole and Dave Romney than I am about the center of defense because that's where the balls seem to be coming through. You know, in defense of David Bingham, and not that he necessarily needs any, but he he is uh, tied for second in the league in saves with 36. He's also third in the league. He's faced 51 shots in nine games. Um, only two goalkeepers have faced more. Poor Evan, you know, look at these stats, though. Poor Evan Bush in Montreal, and the Galaxy will see him in a couple of weeks. This guy has, has made 51 saves, but he's faced 74 shots in nine games and given up 23 goals. Um, not a very good save percentage, but, uh, wow, he must just feel like he's in a shooting gallery every week. But anyway, David Bingham now, um, his goal, his save percentage is over 70%. It's actually one of the top ones in the league. So he's just not getting a, a lot of help, I guess, is the, is the takeaway from that. And maybe, maybe you do start Thomas Hilliard Arce. Maybe that's a way to say, look, we brought a bunch of veteran guys in here. They're not doing the job. We're going to see if we can find someone else. Coaches always talk big about that. We're going to find someone who wants to play. We're going to find someone who can get the job done. Maybe it's time for Ziggy to, to actually uh, act on that. And you talked about going with maybe a little bit more of an offensive attacking lineup this weekend. You know, it, you got to be careful with that, though. They're playing Dallas, a team that's given up seven goals, the, the lowest in the league. They're not going to give up a lot of goals. They're going to be very tough to break down. Um, so do you roll the dice and say we're going to go with our best offensive uh, team and our best offensive approach because these guys are so tough to break down? Or do you turn around and say let's play, be as defensive as we can and try to score a goal on a counterattack and maybe we'll get out of here with uh, a one nothing or 2-1 to win? We're certainly not going to light it up. We're not going to score five goals on these guys. So we know it's going to be a, a close defensive game. Do we play our best defensive team? And, and and hope we catch a break. See, I mean, it's, that's it's something that I think Ziggy and his staff need to talk about. Well, I think they need to talk about it, but whenever you talk about playing our best defensive team, which is going to be better, their best offensive team or their best defensive team? Because they have a mediocre defense, and so even trying to make it as good as you can, it's still going to be mediocre, mediocre plus, or you could have an offense that includes Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, Roman Alessandrini, Ola Kamar, and Sebastian Legette. See, to me, it doesn't. there are coaches who would climb over broken glass and through fire to be able to coach Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the rest of those guys in the offense. All right? Nobody's climbing over broken glass right now to be able to coach Michael Ciani and David Bingham and Jorgen Shelvick. That's just not how it works. And so, for me, 
if you're going to rely on your strengths, then rely on your strengths. Because right now, relying on any of their weaknesses, which is what that defense is, is, is getting them killed, and it's getting them killed every game. And there is a lack of concentration. But again, I'm going back to you know a lack of game planning, a lack of... What do we hear from, from players, Kevin, whenever they talk about a coach who who comes in and changes things and do things. He's like, the, the, the same thing you hear over and over again is, you know, um, Jossie Zarda said whenever he went up to see Greg Berhalter is, I know exactly what I need to do. Greg Berhalter told me exactly what I need to do. You're not seeing that from any of the Galaxy players. In fact, I, I think you would struggle to find one player who says, I know what my role is. Maybe David Bingham knows what his role is. His role is to keep balls out of the back of the net. He probably can figure that one out, Kevin. But outside of that, I don't think anybody has a clear idea of what Siggy Schmidt and Dominic Kinnear and what this this coaching staff and what this front office have set the Galaxy up for and what they're supposed to do. Well, you know, when you have a Little League team and there's, they're struggling, you always just get the best kid and he pitches, right? You go to shortstop, best kid, give him the ball, let him pitch. Maybe if, if Zlatan's the Galaxy's best player and they're giving up too many goals, he's a big, tall guy. Why don't you put him in goal? Maybe, there you go. You that, know, perfect idea. No one's ever tried that before. That, would, that, that could work. Panda and Pato in the morning. That that gets one of those just for just for your ridiculousness. Um, no, I mean, but now we talk about Siggy Schmidt, and let's transition a little bit to Siggy Schmidt. Uh, we talked about it before. This is a an LA Galaxy team right now that is two points better than they were last year um, through the same number of games, Kevin. And you look at the team and what they're doing, and it, it feels like it's a lot of 2017 returning, but you look on the field and there's way more talent on it. I mean, Kern and never had this much talent. No, and Ziggy, am I wrong? Hasn't Ziggy always been known as something of a defensive coach? And this is a, a team that right now is on pace to give up 71 goals. Now, granted, we talked about the, the difficulty of their schedule, but still, um, 71 goals is a lot of goals. And um, this was supposed to be, again, this was the team that he rebuilt. This was the team that was going to have a tough defense, that was going to play the ball out of the back. Um, and we're, we're seeing none of that. And, and, again, you know, you have to go back to last year. There were reasons slash excuses for all that. Um, this, they, had a, a, they did a great job in the offseason putting this team together. Uh, this was the team that they wanted, um, and it's not performing there. And I am looking at the stats now. So when Ziggy was in Seattle and, and they made the playoffs every year, you know, the goals allowed 29, 35, 37, 33, 42, one year an outlier, 50, 36, 43, 39. So average right around 40 goals a season. They're, they're almost going to double that if they continue to play the way they are this season. So these are not the kind of the statistics that Ziggy Schmidt teams put up. Yeah, and, and by the way, the historical average for the LA Galaxy in terms of the goals conceded um, is just under 40. It's 39.7. Last year, the Galaxy gave up 67 goals, Kevin, and as you said, they're on pace to set right now, put, put in, allow 71 goals, which would be worse than last season. So, I mean, looking at Siggy Schmidt and what he's had, and granted, he did have some injuries at the beginning of the year. We'll give him that, sure. But this team, again, is way more talented. I mean... I'm hesitant to say he's on the hot seat here, but with the players that he has and with the way the Galaxy look right now, if there's not significant improvement in the next two or three games, I mean, Siggy Schmidt is going to have a hard time fending off the questions of whether or not he should remain as a Galaxy coach. Well, 
you bring up a really good issue, um, and, and all props to Ziggy, okay? This guy is the winningest coach in regular season games in MLS history. Took an expansion team to the playoffs, what, uh, six, eight years, eight years in a row, I think, with Seattle. But really struggled his last season. Stepped, it was, was forced out. Brian Smetcher took over at midseason, took the team to an MLS Cup title. So, granted, they did get some, some midseason help. Right. But basically... Ziggy's got the team in second to last place. A new his lieutenant comes in, takes over. They win the MLS Cup. You can make the argument that he had the players to do that. They weren't responding. He wasn't coaching them correctly. Whatever it was, then he comes in with the Galaxy last year. Kurt Anafo had the team in much better position uh, when Ziggy came in, and and Ziggy won two games down the you know the last uh, to finish the season. The team had the worst season ever. Ziggy gets a chance to rebuild the team in the off season. Gets the players presumably that he wanted. A team still not responding, so there seems to be a disconnect there. And and I don't want to throw Ziggy under the bus. I mean, you have to really respect all that he's accomplished. But you can lay out three different teams: his last team in Seattle, the team last year, and the team this year. They're just not performing. Um, then you look at the greater galaxy. Um, worst season in franchise history last season. It was a train wreck from the preseason. Uh, Chris Klein gets a five-year extension. Um, you know, uh, Pete, Pete comes back, Vianas comes back in, in his old position, slightly demoted, but essentially got his old title back. Kurt Schmidt comes in, uh, um, in, in a front office role. Uh, Jovan, who landed Zlatan, basically the same role. So there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of urgency in that front office to do anything different. Um, it's the, this is the same cast of characters that, that, that took the Galaxy the worst season in franchise history last year. The same people around. If anything, they got either promoted, uh, extended, or in the case of Ziggy, got to bring their son in to help them uh, build the team. Generally, this is not the way a franchise reacts when it's had the worst season in franchise history. And then when it comes back into the next season, and granted, the schedule is tough. You got to give them that. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens when they play Montreal, one of the worst teams in the league. If the Galaxy struggle in that game, that may be when the alarm bells finally go off because you're going to be struggling against the worst team, one of the worst teams in the league, and you're going to be entering that World Cup, uh, you know, part of the year when you could be losing two of your your starters. So um, I don't want to say Ziggy's on the hot seat either, but I I, I got to believe it's got to be getting a little bit warm. And part of the co- the problem with replacing a coach is. That's only half the solution or, or half the problem, half the equation. You, you get rid of a coach, but you have to have a better coach to come in, and that's the other part. And sometimes that better coach doesn't exist. In the case of the Galaxy, um, you know, we have Dominic Kinnear as the assistant coach, and I, I'm, I have no idea or, or I don't want to say at all that he's politicking for the job, but right. he is there. And there is a head a guy with – he has the third most regular season wins in MLS history, I believe – a couple of MLS cups in Houston. That's a guy that could step in and replace Ziggy and you don't even have to go and uh, help anyone move. He's already here. Um, and another guy just up the road, I don't know that he'd want to come back, but Bruce arena isn't doing anything right now. Um, and he's right up the road and has certainly has a long history with, with, with the galaxy and knows, uh, how the organization operates. You know, that's another guy that, uh, is potentially out there. So the point is, you know, if, Part of the equation is, is finding someone to replace Ziggy. I think there's candidates out there. Yeah, I mean, people are throwing Caleb Porter's name around as well. Um, you know, there's also international coaches, and it used to be that you can't go out and get an international coach because that wouldn't work. They wouldn't understand the league. Uh, you have Patrick Vieira and, and Tata and Tata at uh, Atlanta. 
um, who are certainly proving that that international coaches can come in and do something. So, I mean, I think the the world is the LA Galaxy's oyster if they do that. But here's the other problem. The LA Galaxy, I, I believe, Kevin, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'll, I'll theorize on on as we're doing the show. Uh, they're still paying Cardinalfo because that was a two-year contract. So they're still paying Cardinalfo. They, if they got rid of Siggy Schmidt, they'd be paying him and then they would have to bring in another coach who they'd be paying. So realistically, if they got rid of somebody in the middle of the summer, they'd be paying three coaches right now to two of them not to coach anymore, um, and the rest, and and then a coach who's actually coaching. And you know, if you're going to get rid of Siggy Schmidt, Dominic Kinnear may be an interim guy that you can keep and say, hey, he's going to be our guy while we look for another coach. Um, but he's, he can't be the answer for you. Uh, you have two coaches who are defensive-minded, both in, in Kinnear and in Siggy Schmidt, and are known, are known for their conservative tactics. Uh, you would expect that the Galaxy then would have a better defense, and they don't. Uh, it's the weakest part of their game. So it was either that the team was put, put together incorrectly in the offseason in order to have that. It was either that there were too many pieces that Siggy Schmidt didn't have, you know, a handover like Michael Siani. I still have a, of the belief that uh, that Siani was always coming, and that C- that Siggy Schmidt being there couldn't stop couldn't stop that from happening. Because you look at the amount of money that they're paying Michael Siani, and it just has never fit the eye test whatsoever. So you look at those things, and so I, I don't know that the Galaxy and AEG are going to sit there and pay more money to coaches for not coaching. So I certainly think that that is on their minds whenever they're looking at how long Siggy Schmidt stays and whether or not they, they terminate his contract. So, Well, here's the deal. You mentioned, you mentioned Kurt, and, and I know you're not suggesting that Kurt comes back, but Kurt does not come back no matter what they're paying him, no matter what the contractual obligations are. Kurt does not come back, and, and if you believe that he got a raw deal and should have been given a better chance, as I do, he still can't come back. You know why? Because he's the scapegoat for last year. He's the guy who was sacrificed at the altar. You know, Vainus is back. Klein got an extension. So Kurt was the reason that they didn't do well last year. And, and we all know that's not true, but, but that's, the official, that's the official line. Now, as far as paying coaches, a couple things there. The Galaxy will tell you until, you're, until they're blue in the face um, that they have more money than God and that they can, uh, you know, money is never the problem. Uh, we went through that last year when we talked about, uh, you know, that they were, uh, you know, cutting the budget a little bit and they spent it. it the, the figures told us, the, the salary figures told us that they had cut payroll by, you know, substantially over the last two seasons. The numbers were there. The Galaxy said that that was not true, that that was all fake news, um, that they weren't cutting anything. So the Galaxy loved to pretend like they can spend money. So they're definitely not going to hide behind, uh, publicly at least, they're not going to hide behind the fact that they can't spend have three coaches on the payroll, even when only one of them is coaching. Um, so they're not going to use it as, as an excuse. They're going to tell you they could go out and hire Arson Wenger to come in as a as Ziggy Schmidt's chauffeur if they wanted. Um, right. But if that is an issue, um, promoting Dominic would do a couple things uh, if it gets there. And again, we're all. This is just all. Uh, we're just all just spitballing here right. because no one has said that Ziggy's on the hot seat or that Ziggy's on his way out or anything. But to your argument that they're, they're paying a lot of coaches, a lot of money, not to coach Dominic Kinnear is already on the payroll. So and if, if Ziggy moves out or moves over or, or whatever, and they're still, they're paying him not to coach. Um, Dominic's still getting his same salary. He comes in as the coach. It's really a wash from a salary perspective. And the other thing is if they did promote Dominic, if, if they decide that Ziggy's not the guy, I think everyone would agree that this is a pretty good team, that they have weapons, you know, with Kamara's the guy they wanted, they got Salatan, 
Um, the back line needs some work, but generally, uh, again, those were the guys they wanted. Um, this was the team that was supposed to, you know, contend. And so if you, if you look at that and say, well, the players are not the problem because these are the guys we wanted last year, the players were the problem. They were inexperienced. They were young. We were bringing up Academy guys. We knew that dog wasn't going to hunt from the first day. It took half a season for the galaxy to realize they had made a mistake, but everyone else looking from the outside knew this team is different. This is a good team. They're just not responding for whatever reason. So in that, in that kind of an instance, moving Ziggy out and promoting Dominic is a chance to say, okay, is it really the coach or is this team also bad, poorly constructed? And you don't need to go out and get Caleb Porter to find that out. You can promote Dominic Kinnear. And if it's this, if the same problems continue to exist, then yeah, maybe it's the team. Yeah. I mean, but you can, you can also say, I mean, you would imagine that Dominic Kinnear has some sort of influence over how things are done right now. And obviously Siggy is the head coach and he's going to have the final say, but you have to imagine that his influence is still there. Maybe he'd do a couple things different, but, but I'm sure that Schmidt, uh, you know, uh, respects Dominic enough that if Dominic really thought he could fix the team, he would tell Siggy and Siggy would say, okay, let's try it. Because uh, right now, they're in a problem. So, again, I don't think you, you make the team better by going to Dominic Kinnear. I think, again, as an interim, maybe. Yeah, sure, you can hold on to it. I think the Galaxy will have a chance to correct some of the things after the World Cup, too. Um, I think the summer transfer window could be interesting. I don't know for a fact that the Galaxy would be shopping guys like Jonathan Dos Santos or Giovanni Dos Santos, but there's a possibility there. There's at least a hope that they could possibly turn some underperforming assets into things that they can make a real impact for this team in the second half. Um, we talked about the, you know, the schedule, Kevin, and I ranked the schedule after every week in terms of the average uh, rank of the opponent on the supporter shield list. Uh, and right now through those nine games, the galaxy's opponents uh, average rank is 7.7. So seventh place or eighth place in the supporter shield. That's who they're the average that they play. Their average for wins, the teams that they've beat, is 12, right? So 12th place teams so far that seems like they are able to beat right now. Uh, their losses right now, if you look at it, are actually in the top five, so 4.8. Whenever you look at the teams that they've lost to, with Houston being the worst team that they've lost to so far, and you only have the one draw against Vancouver, which was the ninth team. So I still, at least this chart is telling me, Kevin, that this Galaxy team is still middle of the pack, and they may have dropped down below that right now as they currently sit in 8th place in the Western Conference and 14th place overall in the Supporters' Shield, but it tells me that the guys that they're playing have been good. Now, as this chart goes on, it gets worse and worse because it'll eventually end up being in the center because that's how it is, and the, if you're a better team, the the average rank ends up being, um, you know, the teams are worse because everybody's Below you, and if you're a, you're if you're a worse team, then everybody ends up being. It basically determines whether or not your schedule is easier or hard, depending on how good you are as a team. So right now, at least, it still feels like the Galaxy are middle of the pack, but they have to. They have to do something. Um, they have to change things, and and so I think they have to be drastic with some of the changes that they make. And if that means that you're going to sit, you know, Ola Kamara on the bench, which God forbid, I don't believe it should happen. But if you're arguing that the Galaxy can't play in any sort of combination that has Ola Kamara and Zlatan on the field at the same time, then you need to figure out who those guys are going to be, who's going to play, and when that happens. And if you don't start trying to make that work, because there's no fluidity there's no cohesion in this LA Galaxy attack there's no understanding in the defense and again for me Kevin it's those transition periods what are you doing when you turn the ball over 
What are you doing when you get the ball? What is happening in those three seconds? Which direction do you need to be moving? And does everybody know where they're supposed to be? Because right now, it looks like a cluster out there. It is a giant, it's almost like bunch ball in peewee soccer. Everybody moving in different directions, going in all sorts of ways. I think if you allowed them, it's only because they're adults and professional soccer players that they're not all like huddled around the ball every time it goes into the midfield. There's just, there's nothing there for me to even sit there and say, yeah, this was good. Um, the last game you could point to Ola Kamara and Giovanni Dos Santos and say that was good. But even with Gio, again, as I'll say it again, is he's not playing in the position that Siggy needs him to play in. So yeah, he's scoring goals, but is he scoring them from the position that the Galaxy need to do in order to be successful? And uh, for me, the Galaxy just uh, just aren't there. And if something doesn't change, I think that the Galaxy do end up making a, a maybe a drastic change, which will, which will be interesting. Um, well, yeah. You, you know, we over, we overheard, and, and we weren't sneaking up on anybody. They were standing in the middle of the hallway. But we overheard Ziggy talking to some of the front office people, and, and you could hear him complaining. He was saying they were just standing around. Everyone was just standing around. Um, speaking, we, we presume, of his players. I don't think he was talking about people in the concourse. Um, no, you know, nobody, no. as you said, nobody moving. There's yep. no runs. Um, I think you're right. There, there needs to be a shakeup, and it's hard to fire um, you know, 28 players. Um, again, we're not saying Ziggy's on the hot seat. No one's heard anything of that ilk. But um, I, I do think that there is uh, a, the come-to-God moment is about to arrive. And, and because, when, again, when you look at the schedule, and, and, and I do believe the schedule's been challenging for the Galaxy at the start, but they have FC Dallas, very good team. They've lost once this season. Again, the, the lowest goals allowed in the league. After that, they have a, about a 10-game stretch uh, where they play Montreal, San Jose, and they have Dallas again at home, Portland, Real Salt Lake, San Jose again, D.C. United is struggling again, Columbus Crew, um, and they have uh, five of those games are at home, and that goes through the D.C. United game is uh, July 4th and then Columbus Crew July 7th. So, uh, And then everyone comes back from the World Cup, even players that, that you know presumably Mexico makes it into the round of 16, those people will be back by then. So there's a, there is a stretch there where I, I would think that the Galaxy of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, eight games of the eight games in that stretch, I think the Galaxy need to win five of them, and five of them are very winnable. If they don't perform well, that gets us to July 7th. Is it too late to make a change at that time? Do they have to make the change before then? But that would be the stretch where if they don't perform well, then they're in a, in a real world world of hurt. And you know, perhaps that is too late. Maybe they need to make the change before then. But it, it does. It just feels like everyone's being patient right now. Um, you know, trying to see exactly what they have. Zlatan's played what five, six games now. Um, it, that's long enough to figure out what his contribution is going to be and whether players can play around him. And, and I don't think it's a lot. I don't think Zlatan's the problem. He hasn't scored a goal since the Chicago game, but he's he's been very uh, much a big part of the offense and a lot of assists and and a lot of contribution. So. It's a lot of times not the problem. You can argue that it's a lot of times the problem because he's changed the formation and the rest of the offense has sort of gone to sleep. But you can't, you certainly can't blame Zalatan. He's come and he's performed and he's probably been as good as we could have uh, uh, hoped he would be. Yeah, there, there's certainly something. Uh, I keep track of the DP minutes that have been played so far. Uh, Galaxy getting a slight bump in their DP minutes as of late with uh, all, almost all three of them uh, playing at the same time now. 
at 46.7% of the total minutes available in 2018 so far. You've had uh, the designated players play those, all right? Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, by the way, total minutes played since he got here. Basically, he's played 73.5% of the total minutes uh, that have been available to him. And Ola Kamara has played 88.9% of the total minutes available to him. So just stats that I'm keeping, you know, one of my million charts that I have, all that fun stuff. All right. Uh, Kevin, let's go to some uh, some calls that we have. Um, so let's start with uh, Brian in Honolulu, different island, not on fire, and currently not erupt, uh, erupting. But uh, here is uh, Brian from uh, Honolulu calling in. Hey, Josh, it's Brian in Honolulu. The game very disappointing result, but it's not a it's not something that can't be explained. When you look at the player motions, I mean, you commented on this on Twitter. I think. Uh, Kobe Jones said it on TV as well. Nobody's running towards the ball. Everyone's kind of at a standstill. The only movement that's happening for the most part is the person who's on the ball. And when you have a formation like 4-2-3-1, which thrives on creativity and attacking, you need people to come over to that ball. Uh, if you look at similar formations like a 4-3-3 uh, where it's a little more attacking, players have to go to the person with the ball to enable those passes, to create passing lanes behind them, um, or running lanes, rather, and it's just not happening. Everyone's a lethargic, and what ends up happening is the ball goes out to the wings, where it's the only place the Galaxy has speed, but then they get locked in, and they lose a lot of real estate because now they're forced. They're covered by two defenders, and they have the other sideline, and they're relying on crosses, and it's not going to work. Um, now, the question that has to be asked at this point is, with how many points we have this far into the season, with Ibrahimovic, with every other acquisition that the Galaxy has had, how much longer does Siggy have? I'm not a fan of everyone saying get rid of him. I think he's a great coach, but it's a valid question at this point. What do you think? All right, there's uh, Brian in the Honolulu. Again, I mean, you know, touching on the same topics, Kevin, that you and I have been touching on, which is, you know, where does the fault lie in all this stuff? I think his analysis of how the Galaxy are getting trapped and how they're getting moved out to the wings, and because there's, again, there's a giant black hole size, if you're going to want to play the Galaxy game. It's a giant black hole in the middle of the Galaxy. <laughs> uh, hey, that's good. That, like that. That, that sounds like something you would have said, right? Well, I was going to say it, but you, you beat me to it. I, under, I understand. But, I mean, when you look at those things, that's that, that seems all seems... I mean, Siggy has to have some responsibility from this, whether or not this is 100% his fault or not, right? Well, I mean, he would take... I, I, I don't mean to speak for Ziggy, but generally the coach gets the credit when the team wins. So when the team fails, you got to look at the coach and say, perhaps that's where the problem is. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty easy one to do. Let's go on to uh to another call as well. Let's go to uh Yosef in uh, Montebello. So here we go. This is Yosef from Montebello. I just wanted to say for the past few weeks I've been harping about how terrible Bingham has been. He has just not been a in the goal. And I've been saying he's terrible, he's bad, he's giving up just not holding onto a ball. Yeah, it's he's just a bad goalie all around. And I just wanna say yes, you suck, Bingham. Please, I'm over him. Bye. All right. So, uh, Yosef on the fence about David Bingham there, uh, there, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can't make up his mind. No, it doesn't seem so. I mean, I, I think you and I talked about it pretty well with the stats. I'm not going to say that David Bingham is, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer because he's not. Um, but he's also not horrible. And I don't think he sucks. Um, he's but, not getting any help. No, the zero. The statistics tell us that. Yeah, and the statistics do. You're absolutely right. They do tell you that. I mean, you're seeing his save percentage actually isn't horrible. Um, his goals seventy percent. Yeah, his it's goals. Ag- his goals against average is pretty horrible because because you imagine the galaxy again. He's getting shelled. 
All right, there's no defense there. There's nothing in front of him to stop him. And it goes to the midfield as well. And the bad turnovers. I mean, this Galaxy team is so wide open for for breakaways that happen all the time because they're slow, um, because the defenders take bad angles to things, and because they force guys like Ashley Cole and uh, Rolf Felcher or Dave Romney up the field in order to try to get the offense there and try to overload. But there's not much to that. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Bingham hater. I just... I, I you want to see the defense improve, and if, I think if the defense improves, that you're going to see better games from David Bingham as well. I mean, that, that's how, where I sit on it. Kevin, you 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 there as well? Yeah, I, a goalie needs help. I mean, he can't do it himself. The net is too big for one guy to stand in front of it. And and you know, the the last home game, uh, those goals were all defensive breakdowns. I think Shelvick had two of them. Uh, were uh, gave the ball away in a bad position, and all of a sudden it's a you know, people are charging at Bingham and, and there's just too many and there's no defensive help. So, you know, could he have played better? Sure. Um, were there goals that he allowed that he could have stopped? Absolutely. But, but the other thing, too, is, is look at the timing of the goals. I mean, early in the, early in the half, uh, early in the game, early in the half, that's a defensive uh, breakdown. That's not a goalkeeper breakdown. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. So um, let's go on now to, uh, to Ron A., uh, and uh, let's see, Colin from Compton, I think, by way of Long Beach, if I remember correctly. So here's Rene. Hey, Josh, this is Rene calling from uh, Compton via Long Beach. I just have to say, this defense is struggling majorly. Did we underestimate Felcher's importance to the back line? It's possible because he seemed to be working his way into the team. Um, Bingham is very suspect his decision-making. He can make reaction saves at times, but I'm not convinced by him. There's now three losses on the bounce. Now what? How long does Ziggy have? Are we on Ziggy watch yet? They need to get that defense together. They're conceding too many goals too quickly all the time. Bye. I'll watch you on the podcast. Uh, that that the last part sounds like a threat, Kevin. I'm just I'm just gonna be no, be, and, and it, uh, she has mystical power. She can watch you on a podcast. That's right. I that's, can't even do that. Well, on Thursday nights we do the live show. She's usually there, so she she gets to walk. No, but oh, I mean, okay. here's here's the uh, here's my takeaway from that. Um, I think she actually nails Bingham better than Bingham just sucks. Is that he, she questions his decision making? I do too sometimes. Um, I certainly think his distribution is is questionable. Here's the thing with Felcher though. Felcher was not exactly known for his defensive prowess whenever he played. I think the guy's getting elevated in the fact... It's like whenever an artist dies, Kevin, and all of a sudden their work becomes super famous, right? It's, I think that's what's happening to Felcher. His work is becoming super famous. He was more on the offensive side of the ball for the Galaxy than he really ever was on the defensive side. I was not a hater of his. I enjoyed watching him, but I certainly don't think that, you know, you've seen a huge defensive drop-off because Rolf Felcher isn't on the field. Yeah, and and... Uh, you know he wasn't on the team in uh, the last two games, and they and they did play poorly. So, um, is that you know overestimating or over uh, analyzing his importance to the team, um, or is it part of the team strategy? You know the way that the team plays, their game plan. Um, you know, take one player out and the team continues to perform poorly. Maybe it's more a, a part of the strategy the team uses than one player's performance. Yeah, it certainly certainly could be. But, you know, it's interesting with the callers, we are noticing a theme here, and, and we picked it up first. Um, is Ziggy on the hot seat? Uh, everyone seems to be turning the uh, – people have individual players they want to blame or point out or, or think could play better, but the finger keeps seem to turn to Ziggy. And I was on a national podcast, not to drop any 
names or anything, but I was on a national podcast uh, over the weekend, and that was the question that they asked me too nationally, uh, whether or not Ziggy Schmidt was in trouble. So um, you, this discussion may have to be uh, tabled and carried on again next week. Yeah, be- on yeah because when you look at the, the Dallas game, um, it's certainly the least winnable game of this three-game road trip they were on. I said the Galaxy would get four points, which means that they got to get a draw and a win out of Montreal in order for that to happen. But I expected them to beat Houston. Uh, Houston's not a good team. They're not. Uh, they have a lot of problems. They have a lot of breakdowns. Their defense is not very good, and I expected the offense to be able to to take them down. And it's funny because you look at the possession that the Galaxy had, and they had more possession in the second half, Kevin, than they did in the first half. And this is one of the few games I thought the Galaxy in the first half played better than they did in the second half. But to be honest with you, it was also horrible. I don't know really I can make a statement one way or another. Um, let's go on now. Let's talk to, uh, to, to William from San Francisco. So here's William. Hey, this is William from San Francisco. And watching that last game was brutal. I mean, if we're going to keep falling back behind early in the game, um, I hope we can just equalize next time and just hold off, park the bus, and get one point because this team is just too good to you know just keep giving up points after playing behind. But on on the next note, I'm starting to believe that Boateng, even though he's kind of sloppy with some of his ball handling, I'm starting to believe that he's the perfect balance to Ibrahimovic just because Ibra's slow but has these great uh, chance playmaking abilities, whereas Boateng's fast, and I'd like to see Boateng just kind of get upfield and participate in the play when Ibra's kind of holding back. But all right, thanks. All right, all right, Kevin, I'll let you have this one. That that was a great call. There was a couple things there. Um, the Boateng thing—that's a guy that's really gotten hurt by this change in formation. Um, you know, because now with they're just going to go with the the three forwards, not really midfielders. Certainly, Giovanni gets one of those. Uh, as a designated player, you're going to keep Roman out there. Designated player, you're the leading scorer and assist guy from the year before. Um, and Ola's got to take one of those spots. And so, and Boateng is not going to be your, one of your defensive midfielders. So there's a guy who's really lost his playing time. And and the caller makes a good point. I mean, I, that is sort of fire and ice, uh, you know, with him and Slaton together. So that that's uh, kind of a compelling argument. I kind of like that idea. And then the other part of at the beginning of the of the half and at the game, sort of parking the bus, maybe they should do that. You know, just like when the whistle blows, just everybody run back and just fill up the goal. Everyone just stand shoulder <laughs> to shoulder in the goal and absorb pressure for the first, you know, eight or nine minutes. Just stand there and just block shots. And then once they're through that little danger zone, then they go ahead and play the game. The, the Galaxy can't park the bus, and the reason they can't park the bus is because they're never in front to be able to park a bus. They're always chasing the bus. All right. And that's the big problem. And even if you look at, you know, you say, oh, but you could have parked the bus, you know, in the waning minutes of that game. But you couldn't have because you had to make all three substitutions offensive. um, And then you were left with the defense that wasn't uh, able to park the bus because you had too many offensive players on there. And you had to do it because you were losing the game up until, you know, the 84th minute or so. So, well. Yes. But if they don't park the bus, the bus is going to run over somebody. Well, but that's that's see, the that's see, the problem. See, see what the see what the panda did there? Yes. Like park the bus, run over. Yes. See, see? Yes. That was good. I, I know. Nobody nobody cares. Where's the sound effect? It's it's on the it's on the other sheet. I can't switch between sheets all the time, so I'm on the call sheet right now. And if you're gonna, okay. so don't say funny things when I'm on the call sheet. All right. The, the panda is always funny. Because otherwise, I have to come all the way over here and hit this. Panda and Pato in the morning. There, see, it just... It's t- pandemonium! Oh, my... That'll be our next one, I'm sure. Oh, people are already <laughs> turning off the podcast. They're done. 
Nobody's listening to this anymore. But here's my... Okay, so now let me go to Boateng, because I heard this call, and I'm, I was smashed my head against the monitor while I was listening. Um, in fact, there's a big giant... You're going to argue with us on that? You're oh. going gonna to dispute this. Oh, I'm going to so dispute this. Oh, um, man. If, if, I, I do agree with one thing that, that the caller certainly said, um, that William said uh, from San Francisco, which, by the way, I love that we have listeners up in San Francisco, too. I'm pretty sure I could go to almost any state and stay at a listener's house because they like me so much. You, on the other hand, might have some problems. Me, no, I have to stay at the zoo. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm not going back to the sheet. Um, no, so so this is this is the one thing I agree with what William said, uh, that Ima Boateng is the exact opposite of Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he uh, he doesn't have the technical ability that Zlatan has. Uh, he doesn't have the 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 thought and the the thought process that Zlatan has, and anything that his speed helps him out with also hurts him tremendously. Um, I have been severely disappointed in in Ima this year in terms of how he's played and what how he uses his speed. And I expected him to take a jump forward from last year. And I've seen only a step backwards. And you can say it's because the formation is different, the players are different, however you want to do it. But in the minutes that Emmanuel Boateng has been on the field, I have not been impressed at all. Um, and I think that the Galaxy should look at, at bringing in a different sub if the answer is always going to be Ima. I love his speed, Kevin. Absolutely love it. And if he could do anything with that speed, you know, put in a decent cross to somebody's head, find that space, exploit the space. But more often than not, he runs into trouble more than he ever creates space with his speed. And if he does find space and does it, he can't finish the the, the shot off unless your name, unless they're playing Real Salt Lake. So that's my thing with with Ima is I'm I'm just not a not a huge fan. That's and well, I, I, I continue mean, with that. Something way. has to be. We got to try something different. And and I think just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic is probably not going to work. You got. Uh, it seems to me that you got to get a little bit more radical there. And I and I do think. The the Ima Zlatan thing it's it's so diametrically they're they're so diametrically opposed to one another perhaps that's a combination that that would really confuse opposing defenses. You're one of those in relationships opposites attract people, aren't you? Yes, that's why you and I work so well together, there, Pato. <laughs> Oh my God! All right, landing on thick today. All right, uh, Hector from Riverside is uh, is one of our last callers, and I think we have uh, Omar from uh, Apple Valley coming up. So here's Hector from Riverside. Hi, good morning. Uh, this is Hector from Riverside. Just a quick comment. Every time I watch a Galaxy game, and they show the uh, the bench, and we get to see uh, Siggy Schmidt and Dominic Kinnear, it's like watching a uh, it's like watching the movie Dumb and Dumber. That's all I have. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, well, keeping it short, at least, Kevin, and and one of my favorite movies uh, from from back in the day, of course, Dumb and Dumber. Um, harsh, harsh criticism of, of Siggy and and Dom there, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I love that movie. I actually saw it on TV the other night. I turned it on, and it was a really bad slow part, and I actually couldn't watch couldn't watch it. So, and it, maybe there's a connection there to the galaxy. I didn't get to watch their game either. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think they've dropped to dumb and dumber stages just yet. Um, uh, you know, although Dominic did struggle his last couple of years in San Jose, which is why he lost his job there. Part of me, I, I, I don't even want to say this, so, so don't repeat this, okay, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but when I look at how Ziggy and Dominic uh, have, you know, performed as head coaches, you, you wonder, has the game passed them by a little bit? And I don't even want to go there. But, uh, you know, great coaches who have accomplished so much just seem to have, 
lost the magic. And, you know, where does it go? Um, is it, is their, their strategies no longer work? Is it like a, you know, a foot, an NFL coach trying to use the flying wedge against, you know, someone running a Tampa two, it just, uh, you know, it doesn't work anymore. Um, the message just doesn't seem to be getting through. No, it doesn't. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's a viable question just, to ask. Just keep that between ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. This is, is it, we're within the podcast circle of trust. I'm sure we're fine with this. Um, nobody listens to this show. Don't worry about it. Um, it. It's it's for me. And that question was something that I dismissed earlier this season in, in terms of these guys know how to win. They know how to do things. I will say that I am not of of that blanket statement anymore. I'm not of that belief that that you know it, that the game hasn't passed them by. I'm certainly leaving it up to that possibility now, which is something I wasn't doing before. So it's it's again, you have to watch how the team plays. And when they look like they play and they have a vision of how they want to play, then I think all these answers can sort of be thrown off to the side. And you can say, okay, we, we know what it is now. Look, the Galaxy just need time to get together. But it, it's increasingly obvious to me that there is no clear direction this team needs to be taken in. And if that's the case, then you have to look at Siggy Schmidt and Dominic Kinnear. In, in terms, I mean, they're in this together right now, so uh, it'll certainly be... Uh, be interesting. Let's go to our last call here. Uh, Omar in Apple Valley, uh, and then we have a couple emails as well. So here we go. Hey, Josh. This is Omar from Apple Valley. Uh, just frustrated. What's happening here? What's happening? Can you answer me this, please? I'm just frustrated. Anyway, always a G. There, Kevin, it's our first. Uh, it's our first call where we have to worry about the welfare of one of our callers That's in 2018. Right. Uh, yeah, suicide prevention hotline. All, all over again. Um, yeah, we're here to help, Omar. You reach out. We'll, we'll be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can feel it. You know what the problem is too is that if this came on the heels of like a successful season, you'd certainly be frustrated. But the fact that it's mirroring 2017 so closely right now. Um, people people are getting flashbacks, um, and and that's not a thing that you want to see. Uh, it's not a thing. You, you I, I think as Galaxy fans, they, you wanted to leave 2017 behind, um, and that's not happening now, and you can't leave it behind because you're being reminded of it currently as you're watching this 2018 team. That, that's my take well, on it. There's a number. I, I understand the the, the cause frustration. I, 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 you know, I, I hope he stays away from sharp objects and, and bridges for a while, but I understand where he's coming from. Look, in MLS, it's designed to work this way. There's not supposed to be anything like a dynasty. Um, Seattle had one. The Galaxy had one. Teams are supposed to, you know, it's supposed to be uh, an up-and-down roller coaster process. You have a good team. Uh, everyone deserves a pay raise. You can't fit them under the salary cap. You move guys out. You start over again. That's the way it's supposed to work. And, and Real Salt Lake, for example, is kind of going through that this year. Uh, you know, they were good for a while. They're struggling a little bit. That's the way it's supposed to go. Um, we've been spoiled here in Southern California and that the galaxy, since Bruce came in, um, they had a, be- a down patch then and Bruce arena came in and turned it all around and the galaxy have been the best team in MLS since then. And, you know, fans here are not used to losing. So that's part of it. Um, other fans, are, you know, elsewhere around the league, um, you know, have adapted the, the standard here is much higher and that's what AEG and the galaxy want. And I think they should want it. The, the, the bar here is much higher. A 500 mediocre season finishing fifth and sixth and squeaking into the playoffs. That doesn't, that dog doesn't hunt here. I used that phrase before. Um, so that doesn't work here, but then I think the bigger issue, what I'm hearing from everybody, 
um, is there doesn't seem to be any answers. You don't, you don't get the sense the front office has got this. We've figured this out. You don't get the sense that the coaching staff has identified what the problem is and that we're going to, uh, you know, everything's going to be great going forward. It seems as if everybody is just sort of dog paddling in the water and no one's moving quickly in any one direction. There doesn't seem to be any answers. There doesn't even seem to be agreement on what the problem is. Um, and I think that's a big source of frustration. If it was like, hey, we've got this figured out, you know, in two weeks we're going to unveil this new, this new player. We're going to – they got the new player. They got a lot done. What else do they want? I mean, are we supposed to get Messi and Ronaldo in here now too? Yes. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a solution. Yeah, the, I uh, think that's the, the source of a lot of the frustration. Not a, or, or if that solution is that the Galaxy made the wrong hire in Siggy Schmidt. I mean, that could be the solution. It certainly seems like there's enough talent on this team that they shouldn't be performing – the way that they're performing. So if that's the solution, then you have to admit that once again, you got it wrong, which is tough. And it seems to be tough for a front office that again, you know, did everything in their power to avoid uh, the guillotine last year. Um, and maybe they see it being slowly rolled up to the stage again here in 2018. Let's get to uh, some emails here and, and close this out. We have Sarah from South Pasadena. Uh, she says, it's been a while. Two things. Gio is only gonna, going to light it up until the Mexican national team roster is decided. If he's on the list, we'll get some good out of him until the World Cup. If he's not on the roster, Pouty McPowderton will be back to his disappearing act. Mark my words, which I had. I printed the email out so I can mark, mark Sarah's words, so I'm going to do that. And second, she says, I think Bingham needs to take some leadership classes or something. He seems to not have a dominating voice at all in the back. My 12-year-old daughter has a more commanding presence in between the pipes with her back line than he does. Really not happy with how things are unfolding so far, and the salt in the wounds is that Chivas 2.0 are doing well. It seems that everywhere I turn, their Fairweather fans are popping up all of a sudden. I wish we were playing better, so at least I could tolerate their smug remarks when they act like they've been lifelong fans. Sarah from South Pasadena. Anything I agree with her on Gio. I've said that a million times. I totally agree with her. And as far as Bingham, I think the one thing he keeps yelling is, help, help, um, and no one's coming to his aid. So he is, he is trying, uh, but um, just shouting help in a crowded theater is not doing it for him. All right, let's get to our final email of the night, Linda Marr. Uh, Linda Marr writes in and says, Hey, Josh, hope all is well with you, sir. I enjoy your podcast. Keep bringing the content. Notice how they never mention you, Kevin. That's my favorite part. Uh, just finished watching the Galaxy. Everybody vers- loves the panda. Everybody does. I know. People, didn't you say your wife is calling you panda now? Although nobody needs to have that visual in their mind, by the way. Yeah, and Mrs. Panda is actually home working from home today. So um, we're going to share some bamboo here in a little bit. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Great. Uh, back to Lindemar. Uh, keep bringing the content. Just finished watching the Galaxy versus Dynamo game. I hate to say this, but I think Siggy needs to go. Wow, there's that theme again. In addition, yeah. I feel I feel uh, Shelvick, Giovanni, and Jonathan need to be traded. Siggy brought in his people and it's not working. If the Galaxy are to lose money by getting rid of the Dos Santos brothers, then so be it. We have players at forward and midfield that can play. If the offense cannot score with the players they have, then the defense surely cannot concede goals. I really feel the defense is where the Galaxy should be spending money from DP Tam to Jam. Uh, I prefer one-point tie games every week versus losing games every week. We, w- What are the chances of the Galaxy getting Bruce Arena back as head coach? i like to hear your thoughts on this. Hope to hear from you. Thanks. Uh, th- he says, thanks, Josh. Again, just me, no Kevin. All right, what do you got? What do you think, Kevin? Um, Bruce Arena's not doing anything right now. I think it would be a big ask for him to come back. I mean, I, w- Bruce is a soccer junkie. He loves the game. He, he feels like he has a lot to contribute. 
this is all based on the recent conversations I've had with him. He thinks he has a lot to contribute. I think he th- he wants to be on a bigger stage. U.S. soccer. He has a book coming out where he addresses a lot of the problems in U.S. soccer. That book will be out next month. I think he feels like he wants to go there and help. Um, U.S. soccer now with a new president and, and sort of new philosophy. Um, one of the things that Bruce talks about in the book is that they've been listening to the same people for too long. And you almost look, look at the book and say, well, the last thing you want to do is invite somebody in who's been uh, uh, you know, a coach for three World Cup cycles. So Bruce has a lot, again, Bruce has a lot to contribute, has a lot of ideas. Uh, he may not be welcomed back on the national stage or may not be embraced, put it that way. Would he come back to the galaxy? I think he would prefer that over retirement. Um, he went out of his way to tell me he was not going to politic for the job. He's not going to consider the job. He's not going to talk about the job. That doesn't mean he wouldn't take it if it was offered. He rescued the team once. Um, he has a lot of friends uh, in the Galaxy's uh, uh, front office. Um, uh, you know, I think perhaps one person that might uh, be difficult to work with might be Chris Klein because I think if Bruce comes back, he'd want to be general manager as well. And and Chris Klein would sort of maybe could possibly lose some of his power. It'd be interesting. Bruce would be coaching against his son, who is an assistant with LAFC. Um, I, I am not gonna I'm not gonna start the Bruce uh, for coach chant, but I am not totally dismissive of it either. But I do think it would be a big lift for people on both sides to go back to that. Yeah, I think it. I think it's a big ask to try to do it. I think you gave it way more. I think you you probably persuaded we, me way more, Kevin, than I thought it would be possible. Um, I would say no right off the bat, but, I, you know, uh, granted, I I tend to be very yes and no type of thing, but Bruce may consider it and could consider it. I'll, I'll be honest, I think if you're the Galaxy, it's time to move on. Uh, you got to get away from Bruce, you got to get away from Siggy, you got to go away from Anolfo, and I think that going internationally might be the way to go. Um, and you may have to go get somebody who who hasn't been to MLS, but who wants to prove a point, because... The Galaxy need to go big with a coach. You need to. Everybody agrees. You know, it has to be something where everybody says yes, yes. That's the that's the right way to go, and it's a big enough name that it draws the respect of players um, from around the world as well. And you know, I don't know that you get that with Siggy Schmidt, and I don't know how Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Siggy Schmidt's uh, relationship is. Uh, I would imagine it's pretty much like, hey Zlatan, do you feel like you're going to play today? And Zlatan says yes, and then Siggy starts him, and that's probably how it works. Um, but you know, all these things, if you're going to do it now, Kevin, if you're going to blow it up, then in my mind, you can't go back and you can't retread a, a coach that you had. And, and they've already done that with Siggy Schmidt. And I, I really feel like it would be a mistake with Bruce Arena, knowing full well, Kevin, that I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mr. Bruce Arena. Uh, I just think as in a galaxy organization trying to get forward that, uh, you, you need to have a clean slate now. It needs to be a break. No, those, those are. Those are all good points because what basically what you're saying is because remember he rescued a poor team in 2008. What you're saying is every time there's a problem, Bruce Arena is the only one that can fix that, um, and that's a, a you know a dangerous sort of uh, situation you want to get into. But the Galaxy, you know, big name players, big name coaches. That's what they do. That that is the club philosophy. Um, so it does have to be a big name. Ziggy Schmidt, you know, I know that uh, he did not end well in Seattle, but Ziggy Schmidt was a big name. It wasn't like they found some guy working an AYSO team. Ziggy is a big uh, name when they brought him in. Bruce had just come off, uh, you know, two World Cup cycles. He was a big coach when they brought him in. Uh, I am not going to get behind the Arsene Wenger uh, for Galaxy coach bandwagon. I just, I just don't see that that's, happening. That's the one that's going to happen. It's, a, it's the Dom Dwyer trade. 
That's exactly. So you just you just confirmed it. So we all know. If you want to go out and Oh good. Oh good. I helped the team again. <laughs> I was going to say Galaxy fans, if you want to head to the airport to welcome Arson, Kevin can tell you what that flight number is here, I'm sure. No problems. No, I I know what you're saying. It's it's tough. It's a tough battle. I'm not going to say if the Galaxy have to end up getting rid of Siggy Schmidt. I do not envy anybody in the front office cuz quite honestly, I think their jobs are at stake as well. And if that happens and they go away and now you're looking at a bigger rebuild I'll, I'll say the same thing that I said last year with Cardinal Alpha. You better hope the LA Galaxy start playing well because that's the best option. Uh, the best option is that this, this plan does work. It just needed some time to get together and to gel and that Siggy Schmidt and Dominic Kinnear are going to figure it out and that the Galaxy can start winning games and start being competitive in this league right now. Because going against Houston on the road, granted, anytime you're on the road, difficult to win a game. Uh, but at the same time, Houston's not a good team. The Galaxy should have beat them. And I feel like the Galaxy, with the players they had, they should have had it. And if they didn't beat them, then there's a reason why. It's either the players or the coach. And I was blaming the players and familiarity and gelling and all that stuff. And I still think that there's something to be said about that. They still need some time to get it. But you should be seeing, you shouldn't have seen the step backwards they took against Houston. And that's that's the huge red flag, red flashing light, siren, horn, everything that you really need to worry about for this LA Galaxy team. Yeah, and I think, as you mentioned, the indecision. Players standing around, as Ziggy even pointed it out, players standing around. I think when Ziggy was pointing it out to the other front office people that, you know, in the quarters at the at the stub-up center the other day, I think maybe the step back would have been to say, why are they standing around? Have they not been given instruction on what they should be doing? And maybe that's the problem. Very well could be. All right, Kevin, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that we had on our list that we wanted to talk to? We got through all the calls. Oh, weekly schedule, just to give you a heads up for the LA Galaxy, their weekly schedule. They were off on Monday, May 7th, as we recorded. They'll train on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Thursday is an AM training, the same as all the rest, but they will travel to Dallas in the PM. That means that they will train in Dallas on Friday and a 12.30 PM kickoff time at FC Dallas on Saturday. All right. So that's the one. And that game is going to be on Unamas. So if you're looking for it, that's where it's going to be at Toyota Stadium. Um, and certainly the LA Galaxy will have a a difficult time going against FC Dallas in this particular game. So uh, I, I think right now, as everything sits early this week, you, you could look at easily another LA Galaxy loss going against FC Dallas. But they need to take a step forward again, Kevin. They can't keep going backwards. So if you see a similar performance as they did against Houston, um, I think sirens and, and flashing lights and everything else start really going off, and we'll see how Clearly the first seven minutes of the game are the uh, important seven minutes. I, I was gonna don't, s- don't be late. Don't tune in late. If you get there late, it could be three to nothing. It could, it could be over already. All right. Uh, if, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, you can, of course, find him at the LA Times, latimes.com is where you can find him and head on over to his Twitter at kbaxter11. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at Galaxy Podcast, both those is where you can find me and then head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can get scarves and stickers and anything else right there. Cornerofthegalaxy.com, click the shop button and have at it. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Everyone have a wonderful week, and we will be back next week. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. 
Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And Panda. 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 In the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning.